On Sunday, Manchester City face Liverpool in what could ultimately be a decisive match in the Premier League title race. The following weekend, Manchester City will play Liverpool in the FA Cup semi-finals. And on May the 28th in Paris, they might just face each other again in the Champions League final. But can any other sides in the last eight stand in their way? I'm Kevin Hatchard and this is Football Only Better. Top clubs need a top team to analyse them. I've certainly got that today. Starting with a man who has a better understanding of the angles than Pythagoras himself. Mark O'Hare is with me. Mark, before we get into the specific quarterfinals themselves, let's take a look at the outrights. It's pretty close between City and Liverpool at the top of the market. That feels about right, doesn't it? Yes, yeah. Um, I can't remember the last time we spoke about the outright markets, but um, certainly I think we've been pretty pretty strong in our opinions that the two Premier League clubs were, you know, quite conceivably the better teams in the competition and Bayern Munich trailing in third. I still think there's a, a decent gap there between Bayern and Chelsea, which is probably, in my eyes, should probably be a, bit, a little, little bit tighter, but I think that's due to Chelsea having to play Real Madrid first up in the, in the quarterfinals, which we'll talk about. But I still think Chelsea are, are the strongest suit of those two. And I think they're more than capable of bloodying the nose of the top three in the market as well. Uh, obviously, what happened at the weekend was a bit of a shock to the system, but I think those results can happen immediately after an international break. It's just hard to pinpoint where or, or which league it happens in. But yeah, I certainly think um, out of the top two, I'd still be on the Liverpool bus just to, just at the price, really. I still think there's very little to choose between the two teams. Uh, they have got um, probably the easier, well, they do have the easier task in the quarterfinals coming through against Benfica. Everyone wanted Benfica. And, and City have uh, a clash of styles, really, of Atletico, who have shown a, a better side to themselves uh, in 2022. But still, I think there's a, a quality gap between the two teams. And, and yeah, City and Liverpool, we've talked about it many times now. The Premier League has kind of moved ahead of the rest of Europe in terms of what they're able to achieve in terms of budgetary um, options and also coaching. Uh, all the best coaches in the world pretty much are, are centred around in the Premier League at the minute as are the greatest players, uh, apart from Paris, you'd say. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm still on the Liverpool bus. Um, wouldn't probably bat them at 3.45 now, but uh, I certainly think they've got a great opportunity to go the distance. Still in the chance of a quadruple as well, so you'll probably get a nice price on, on all four if you do fancy them to do it. But it's a, a huge ask of, as you say, City probably lining up in their way in most of those competitions. Yeah, Mark has been uh, very strong on Liverpool all the way through uh, in this competition. Trader extraordinaire Emmett O'Keefe is raring to go ahead of the quarterfinals. Emmett, the market does seem intent on that top three, but Mark makes a good point about Chelsea. They're 13 in the outright market and they beat Real Madrid last season. They'll feel as champions that they've got a decent shout of going all the way. Yeah, I think as well, like the... The League Cup final, I think, was actually a huge point in Chelsea's favour as well. Because you saw, I think, in in these, I think, over over the league season, they don't really, they don't have the firepower to match um, to match Man City and Liverpool in in a kind of a one-off game. I think we've seen Thomas Tuchel's an extremely good tactician. I think, in, in, and they can, they were able to kind of negate Liverpool's strengths quite quite well. Again, again, if we'll see going forward, was was the weekend against Brentford kind of an outlier performance? I would, like Mark, I'd be leaning towards yes. And, and if that's the case, yeah, I think I think I think Chelsea over two legs are are are, are certainly the biggest threat outside outside the top three. I guess like as long as we kind of 
I think with Chelsea, the less said about kind of the issues at Roman Abramovich, the better. But like there is kind of a kind of an off-field distraction element that might be kind of a small issue. But yeah, o- overall, certainly, um, I would I say I would certainly I think Chelsea are a far bigger threat than Real Madrid if they can if they can get past the, the Spanish giants. The data doctor will see you now. Jake Holskathorpe from Infogol is back in the squad. Jake. Can you see anyone else of interest in the outrights at the moment, or are we still looking really at just three or four out of those eight to win it? Yeah, I think the way in which the draw has played out means that effectively we could end up with the four best teams in Europe as the four semi-finalists, and I think that's what we all wanted. Some may argue that it's it's been fixed that way. I mean, we'll never know, will we? But first City, Liverpool, well, Chelsea we and Bayern to all avoid each other. You know, That's is... quite a big conspiracy theory there, Jake. Uh... Is it though? I mean, you know, it makes the spectacle of the Champions League even better, doesn't it? Rather than them playing at the in the quarterfinal stage and and you know seeing a Benfica Villarreal quarterfinal with one of those teams get to the semi-final. So yeah. it's turned very early into a conspiracy <laughs> podcast. I didn't expect this. Certainly, no, not. I, I just it's, it's you know it's a little coincidence, but um, yeah, ultimately it. it I can't see past any of the, the the sort of top five in the betting. Really, I think the way in which the draws played out. You know, you'd expect Liverpool and Bayern to progress. Um, they'd obviously play each other, and then that would be an absolutely fascinating tie. I do give Liverpool the edge in that game, um, and you know the Infocom model. We ran the Sims after the the draw was made, and we've actually got Liverpool as our favourites to win the Champions League currently, mainly because of the draw. Because obviously we we play Bayern uh, Benfica. We're giving them around a 90% chance of advancing past Benfica. Bayern Munich were at a 72% chance of getting past Villarreal. So that's why they're a bit more uh, favoured. And, and Man City obviously drawing Atletico Madrid. Again, they, they should they should get through, but there is a bigger chance of them um, going out at this stage than there, than there is Liverpool. So um, I still think Liverpool are, are, the, are the play for me. And you know, like, like, like the lads have said, when it comes to Chelsea, uh, there's one thing that they do, and that's they thrive in these kind of cup competitions and Tuchel. Um, Emmett made a great point there about the fact that over a 38-game season, <clears throat> the Chelsea just haven't got the strength to match up to City and Liverpool. But in one-off games, they really can cause some serious issues. So I would be, I would be fascinated to see how they'd get on against Manchester City over two legs. Obviously, they played them in the final, beat them over one leg last season. It'd be interesting to see if Tuchel could mastermind something over two legs this time. Controversial start to the show. The less said about hot balls, the better. Uh, let's kick off with events in Lisbon, then Benfica up against Liverpool. Benfica did superbly to knock out Ajax in the previous round. But Mark, this might be a little bit of a simplistic way of looking at it, but Porto significantly superior in Portugal's Primera Liga to Benfica, and yet Liverpool wiped the floor with Porto. Yeah, Liverpool have destroyed Porto the last few times they've met, um, mostly in Portugal as well. Um, 7-1 aggregate winners in the group stage this time around, the second game of which at Anfield was a kind of nothing game. Liverpool had already secured progression, won 5-1 in Portugal, won 4-1 in Porto in 2018-19 and uh, won 5-0 away the year before in the knockout stage as well. So, you know, that's obviously something to take into account. They've won 15 of the last 17 matches since mid-January in 90 minutes and I think most impressively for me and probably underappreciated has been their their defensive record in that time as well. They've kept 12 clean sheets in that 17-game sample, only conceding five goals Um, and interestingly as well, they've only scored uh, three goals more uh, on five occasions, Um, so 12 times they've scored fewer than three goals. So I think there's been a conscious effort from Liverpool and Klopp to try and sustain themselves 
over the course of the whole campaign, really. Um, you know, in the past, we called them a heavy metal team. Um, but I think they've gone away from that tag. And I think they've probably learned from Man City in previous campaigns to be able to sort of preserve their preserve something in the tank for these kind of key months. And, and they've been quite businesslike in the way in which they've gone about their business. Um, the suggestion is Mo Salah has been looking a little bit tired and fatigued. And I think that's understandable. He's had a huge emotional toll with Egypt twice now this year. Uh, but the beauty of Liverpool is they've got so many options right now. Klopp's talked about having the, the best squad he's ever had available to him at any club, really. And, you know, it's pretty ominous, I think, for Benfica. Um, you say there's a, a big difference between the two teams, Benfica and Porto. And Liverpool were 1.8 when they went to Porto in September. I think they're a much stronger suit than they were now, uh, than they are now. And, uh, Sorry, they were are now than they were back then. And um, <laughs> you're right there, Mark. <laughs> and, uh, so yeah, I've got no qualms with with the price really. Liverpool have gone off similar prices to uh, Wolves, Everton, and Leicester, and I don't think it's too disrespectful to sort of branch Benfica in with those kind of bunch of clubs. And I think they were a little lucky to get past Ajax. They were they were outplayed in the first leg, particularly the first half, and managed to get a draw. Ajax were kind of architects of their own downfall and. A goalkeeping error in the second leg as well. Um, Ajax were poor in that second leg, as we said. Huge possession and territory. Didn't carve out huge amount of opportunities, but, you know, Bayern beat Benfica 9-2 over two legs. They accumulated something like 7.5 XG across the two matches as well. Uh, Liverpool aren't far off Bayern, if not they're better than them. So compare it with what Man City did at Sporting as well in the first leg of the last round. You know, it could get ugly. Um, I think what's bearing in mind for Benfica is the fact that Liverpool have City at the weekend. And look, they do have a couple of players who are capable, Darwin Nunes, Rafa Silva, exciting players. But I think this comes down to how how much Liverpool want it and how much they want to sort of put a, a marker down. I think they'll get the business done early and, and move on. But it's difficult to engineer something really exciting. I was looking at Liverpool and under four and a half goals potentially. But in the end, I've just kind of gone towards an anytime goal scorer who... A rare market for me, but I just think he's undervalued here. Um, 2.68 for Diego Jota to score on the exchange, 2.4 on the sportsbook. He scored four in his last five for club and country. He's Liverpool's second top goal scorer, uh, 18 goals across all competitions. Liverpool's goal expectancy for this game is 2.3. And he's actually behind Roberto Firmino in the in the prices on the sportsbook to score at any time. And as we know, he's a real threat in the air and on the ground too. So I thought that was quite a big price when you compare, you know, the likes of Sadio Mane and Mo Salah. Salah's going off at odds on quotes. So I think there's a, a decent difference there between a player and form. And Jota's been sensational this season, not just for Liverpool, but for Portugal as well. Jake... It's going to be interesting to see how Benfica approach this, isn't it? Because they really dug in in Amsterdam, but you feel like even if they do that, it's going to be really hard to contain Liverpool. So do they play on the front foot? I don't know. If they play on the front foot, it's going to be really difficult for them as well, isn't it? With the sort of counter-attacking abilities that Liverpool have. Um, I just think this is a real mismatch. This is probably the, the biggest mismatch of the four matches that we have really, in terms of quality in golf. Uh, and Mark touched on it there, not only just the starting 11 in Liverpool, but the, the depth that they have now. If Salah is, you know, if he wants to rest Salah, he can. He just bring Luis Diaz in. I'm sure Benfica know a lot about him from his time at Porto. Um, and yeah, I, not too much more to add, really, from, uh, from Mark. I just think that the Portuguese sides in general, Benfica, Sporting and Porto, whenever they come up against sort of Europe's elite, the you know, this season alone, they've played uh, City, Bayern and Liverpool, uh, and they've been destroyed, to put it quite simply and bluntly. Um, and I just think there's a massive gulf there between the Portuguese outfits and, and Europe's best. So for me, I was looking at something 
pretty straightforward. I think Liverpool, like you mentioned, they've got Manchester City coming up at the weekend. I mean, obviously it's a massive game. They've also got them the following week in the FA Cup. So it's pick your poison. Do they, do they you know, play really hard in this first leg, win the game comfortably three or four nil and then cruise in the second leg at Anfield and not need to um, you know, expend as much energy ahead of the FA Cup? Or do they try and you know, conserve some energy for the league game? Uh, I think they'll do... I think they'll, they'll go to Benfica and they'll want to make a statement and really lay down a mark and have that tie over and done with, meaning it's all focused on Manchester City for two weeks. So I, I think they'll win comfortably. And I, I was surprised to see Liverpool minus one and a quarter on the Asian handicap, around 1.91. So that means if Liverpool win by one goal exactly, uh, we, we lose half our money. But if they win by two or more goals, we get a winner at 1.91. And I can see them going there winning 2-3-0 quite comfortably. Yeah, Emmett, it's an interesting one in terms of the Liverpool squad strength because it wouldn't have been that long ago that resting Mo Salah for a game would have been utter sacrilege and you couldn't possibly do that. Now, if he was to turn up on the bench for a game like this, you'd think, OK, fair enough. Luis Diaz has made such a big impact on the squad already. Absolutely, isn't it? It's that like... Um... Kind of just, just, just the Diaz, the Diaz signing in January just means as well that like you're, you're getting a, it's a less less minutes from Bobby Firmino. I think probably means the minutes he is giving you are more effective. It's just that yeah. like that's what they've. It's making kind of every player in the squad better by by having giving them less minutes and kind of and being able to rest them. And you're, so you're getting the best version of each player more often. So that the Diaz signing was just absolutely critical. And yeah, I, I think like. I think as well with the weekend's performance, we didn't see good Liverpool performance. I think that was that was pretty understandable given you had Diaz playing uh, cl- close to 184 minutes for Colombia, the um, Yota playing two playoff games, Salah and, and Salah and Mane obviously playing in the playoffs as well in Africa. So I think, I think like, we should see a better Liverpool performance that that we saw at the weekend. But I'd yeah I'd I'd, I'd just I. I can't see much of a game here, and I actually really like Mark's angle. I totally agree with what he said. The kind of the gap in price between Salah and Yota just doesn't quite add up. If you've eleven to four for Salah first goal scorer compared to nine to two for Yota, like they're if you take out penalty goals, their open play goals in the Premier League are nearly identical. Um, I think, and, and Yota just think he took his goal at the weekend so so well. He's 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 looking so sharp. But if he starts, I think I think he's well well worth looking at nine to two to score first as well, and and, and score any time as well. Worth a shout for uh, Mark Stinchcombe, another of our tipsters on here, who before the weekend's game said that Joe Gomez would uh, get an assist in that game against Watford. And he indeed did set up Diogo Jota for that opening goal at 11 to 1. So a nice little winner there. We know it's frustrating when you get frozen out of a bet. So Betfair is now offering no cash out suspensions on match odds, over, under, and goal markets on the sports book, even during VAR reviews or when there's a penalty. Tuesday's other quarterfinal sees Manchester City host Atletico Madrid. You've already dumped one Manchester Giant out of the tournament. Jake, Atleti are on a roll. Six wins on the spin in all competitions. They beat Alaves 4-1 at the weekend, although it wasn't quite as comfortable as that scoreline suggests. Joao Felix looks razor sharp at the moment in attack. But truthfully, how much of the ball are Atletico actually going to have? Uh, I'd imagine next to none, really, especially at the, in this first leg at the Etihad. Uh, it, it's going to be a fascinating game to watch because it's a massive contrast in, in styles. And we know that Atletico were quite happy to sort of sit deep and play on the counter-attack. But it's, I'm finding it very difficult to make a case for Atletico getting anything from this game or even progressing from the tie. I just think Manchester City are, are playing at a, a, a completely different level to what Simeone's side are. 
I mean, in the Champions League alone, they came through a group with PSG, uh, RB Leipzig and Club Bruges. Obviously, Leipzig weren't as good as what they're showing currently during that group stage, but I'd still... love to see that group now. I'd love to have that group restarted and actually see that now with Tedesco at the helm. That would have been great fun. It would have been great fun, but I still think we'd have got the same outcome from a Manchester City standpoint because defensively they just look incredible right now. I know they conceded a fair few goals in the group stage, but they were from some very clinical finishes uh, by their opponents. I mean, over the, the entire Champions League campaign so far, eight games, they've allowed just 0.78 expected goals against per game, which is just a staggering number. And it just shows that they're basically not giving up barely any chances to their opponents. And on the flip side of that, they're racking up around 2.6 expected goals for per game. So the gulf between themselves and their opponents on a regular basis is huge. And, you know, Atletico, they rightly got past Manchester United, but we've seen what Manchester United have become in recent uh, recent months and years. Um, but, you know, you only have to think back to the game at Anfield, because obviously they were in the group with Liverpool, and Liverpool absolutely schooled them. They were a class above Atletico Madrid. The XG total in that game was 3.7 to 0.3 in Liverpool's favour. Um, and, you know, if, if you think, as I do, that Liverpool and Manchester City are very even keel, that doesn't bode well at all for Atletico Madrid. And, and you know, in total, their XG averages from the Champions League are 1.46 or 1.43. Uh, expected goals for and against, that is. Um, and that process just isn't going to be good enough to get anything from Manchester City. And, and, you know, Man City are in the same predicament as Liverpool, aren't they? In the sense that, do they go all out in this first leg to get this tie over and done with? ahead of the, the league game and then ahead of the FA Cup game, they can just sort of rest uh, rest and rotate in the second leg. Um, and, you know, it's a rinse and repeat job for me. I'm going with Manchester City uh, to win with a minus one and a quarter Asian handicap start because the price around 1.88 just looks too good to turn down. And, and, you know, I'm confident Manchester City will win the game. If they win one, by one goal, we, we lose half our money. But if they win by two goals, three goals, we get a nice winner. And it wouldn't at all surprise me if City did really do some damage to Atletico Madrid and, and rack up a very comfortable first leg win. Yeah, Mick, this is an interesting one, isn't it? Because old school Atletico, we know exactly what they do. They'd rock up. They'd be really difficult to break down. And, you know, City might nick something later on as they tire. But actually, this season's version of Atletico... He's just not as defensively stable as the one gone by. And Jan Oblak has not looked the same goalkeeper. Absolutely. As I think, to be fair, I think, like, Jake has kind of made this point as well, that their defensive stats, like, aren't, their XG stats are, their process stats aren't bad. But as you said, it's quite kind of Oblak's making the defence. They did the, the most goals conceded of any team in a league as top eight was obviously unheard of in, in, in previous years. But they're actually, their XG, their XG against maybe second best in La Liga. So it, it's kind of, yeah, Oblak is making, is really making their defence look bad. But to kind of echo what Jake said there, like I think the way Atletico play is just made for Man City. Like they're kind of like like Pep Guardiola loves teams like that. They're just going to sit deep, play passively, and make this like what they call in basketball. Like it's like like a half court game. This game will be all in Atletico's half. Atletico won't like like they won't. I, I just don't see them having the guile to kind of really hurt City in the counter attack in a way that kind of Antonio Conte did did at the Etihad. A few weeks ago, like I, I, firstly, I'll say as well, I'll apologise to any listener out there who backed my outright tip of my United that obviously Atletico made, Atletico made that look terrible. But the reality is, as we've seen, my United are an incredibly mediocre team, and Atletico only edged by them. That was that was quite a close tie, and I think like as we know, Man City are, are light years better than my United. I can see this getting really ugly for Atletico. I think City uh, City to win to nil eleven to ten looks good to me, and also. 
City over three and a half goals is nine to two. I think that's well worth the bet. I can see this being City really turned this up and this being kind of a, a kind of a one-sided beatdown to be honest. Mark, this isn't great listening for Atletico fans at the moment. Uh, I mentioned Joao Felix earlier. Can he make any kind of difference or is he just going to be marginalised because City will just have 68, 75% possession? Yeah, I'm not so down on Atletico compared to the other guys. Um, I still would obviously be very strong on City. But I, yeah, I mean, the likes of Joao Felix, who's in fantastic form, uh, the likes of Antoine Griezmann. Uh, you know, Simeone's got plenty of attacking players that is availability for this game. He's obviously not going to pick all of them and he's obviously going to be very defensively minded, pick a deep line defence and the, the 3-5-2 will be much more like a 5-3-2 or even a 5-4-1 with Felix and Griezmann kind of taking over ownership on the, on the leading role themselves. But, you know, that's quality. There's serious quality there in attack. And if they do get an opportunity, you wouldn't sort of say they're the kind of players who will fluff those lines. So, yeah, I think from a City perspective, no Ruben Diaz. Um, I suspect Laporte and Stones will then start at centre-half. I'd, I'd be very surprised if Ake gets um, selected in ahead of those two again. But, you know, if he was, that would be a concern for sure with City. I think he has the propensity to to switch off um, at times. And I think there's an opportunity there. But look, Atleti are going to go back to old-school Atleti here. They're going to roll up their sleeves. They're going to be dirty. They're going to be cynical. They're going to try and do what they did at Old Trafford, which is put off the opposition and play dirty tricks, gamesmanship, everything you want to kind of associate with a Simone team back in the past. But is that going to be good enough to, to get a result? Probably not. Um, Jake talked about the, the game at Anfield where uh, Liverpool just swallowed them up, really, and, and, and won that game quite comfortably. Liverpool were 1.65 that day. So I do think there's a, a big difference between the price Liverpool were that day and what City are now. And I think the market is slightly tilted a little bit too much in City's favour. I still think Atleti are a, a decent team that... The biggest negative I have about Atleti coming into this match is the news on Monday morning that Jimenez hasn't travelled uh, through injury. Uh, that would dampen any sort of enthusiasm. He is absolutely key to that defence. Um, it's been such a him. frustrating season for him, Mark, hasn't it? Because he's barely played, really. He's barely had any kind of rhythm and they've really suffered as a result of that. They have, yeah. I mean, everyone's talking about sort of Jan Oblak's uh, regression and his poor figures, but ultimately it's also down to the defence, which has been chopped and changed so often and they've not been able to sort of field their, their first choice defenders. And outside of the first choice, the, the options are pretty limited and, and, you know, basic defensive errors have contributed massively as well as Oblak's regression too. So that is a shame. I, I thought Atleti would be able to sort of batten down the hatches, make life really difficult, defend for their lives, but... Um, his absence does kind of negate that a little bit. and um, But yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't put them past on the counter-attack causing City problems. They have that quality. Um, so I was looking at City to win under three and a half goals, which is 2.16 on the exchange. Um, never obviously enjoyable opposing goals in a City game, but um, I think we have to understand you know, what's ahead of them this weekend. This is a Champions League knockout tie first leg. Atletico are rarely involved in thrilling affairs uh, in Europe. And I actually look back at this, 2000, 2014 was the last time an Atletico knockout Champions League tie featured four goals or more. And actually none of Simeone's first leg knockout ties in the Champions League have produced over three and a half goals. So I'd back them to keep it competitive, but ultimately fall short. To Wednesday then, and the market sees Bayern Munich as the strongest side outside of City and Liverpool. They go to Villarreal, who were outstanding against Juventus over two legs, especially in that second leg in Turin. Emmett, Bayern took a big step towards the Bundesliga title at the weekend. Nine points clear of Dortmund with six games to go. So you'd think that one's pretty much done and dusted. But Unai Emery is such a tricky customer. 
over two legs, the Villarreal coach. Absolutely. I think we kind of, the only thing is with Villarreal, you're kind of, the kind of, as like, that that has to happen. It has to be Unai Emery magic because in terms of the way they're playing at the moment, they won't get anywhere near Bayern. Like they've, like their XG figures are absolutely alarming in their last four matches. They've only scored, only scored one goal in their last four matches with three defeats against mediocre La Liga opposition. You could say, I guess they have nothing to play for Emery factor and, and they'll really get up for this game. But like you're really relying on that. And I think we, and Bayern now are, are the close to a full team outside of Alfonso Davies, who is back in training. And I guess but before this the Salzburg tie, I think all of us were a bit negative on Bayern, especially definitely myself, thinking that was this the team that we thought that the, the Nagelsmann had promised earlier in the season? But but they have really picked up since that since that Salzburg uh, second leg, and they are start, starting to look like a real contender who could actually who, who could do damage and, and really compete with kind of top level Premier League opposition. Um, so I think. Well, Probably I thought Bayern looked a little bit short in the match prices, so I, I'd be hesitant to back them straight up. But I'd kind of the angle just I'd t- taken with Villarreal's recent struggles is Bayern to win to nil, which is just over two is, is just over two to one. So that, that's the way I'd be leading, leading at the moment, despite Jared, Jared Moreno back being back for Villarreal. Yeah, Mark, if you look at Unai Emery's career, he has had a habit of effectively junking the league at times when he thinks they can go quite deep in a European competition. And obviously it's worked in the Europa League. He won it multiple times with Sevilla. He's won it with Villarreal as well. You know, it's not great for fans in between those European ties, but he does have this habit of finding a way, doesn't he? He has, and it's funny his name keeps getting mentioned because it is the kind of pullback I have coming into this match is, is, is the fa- the Emery factor. Um, I think it's the market's slightly disrespectful to them at the minute. I think um, kind of roll, rolling them out and writing them off. And I think if you looked at La Liga, seventh, 12 points off the top four, you'd understand why the, the market is so sort of lopsided in Bayern's favour to progress. But, you know, he, they do have an ability to, to blood your nose and... I appreciate masterminding progress against Juventus and and beating Man United in the Europa League final is, is very different to overcoming Bayern Munich. But um, yeah, I'm not sure this first leg is is so cut and dried. Um, and he is a big factor for that. He absolutely you know, knockout football is his forte. Uh, he's often kind of portrayed as a, an ultra defensive coach, and I think that's unfair. I think he is uh, willing to sort of release the shackles and, and produce a plan which will work. Uh, and I think, you know, compare them to, to Salzburg, who often don't have a sort of defensive bone in their body. Villarreal do offer pragmatism, but do have a, an ability on the break, particularly with Dan Juma's pace. Uh, I and mean, also Moreno being fit and available. There's attacking outlets there and, and weapons that could hurt a Bayern team who, as we know, have frailties in defence, particularly with no Alfonso Davies for the sort of cover um, when they are turned over in transitions. You know, Lagosman's even tried a back three at times to try and remedy things. And I think the flip side, though, is, um, you know, um, Emmett touched on it there, but uh, Leon Goretzka coming back into the team just gives that midfield so much more stability. His partnership with Kimmich just makes them tick and it provides the platform for that front, front four, uh, whichever four def- offensive players are picked. Uh, and I just think his involvement improves Bayern dramatically in both boxes, both in defence and attack. And um, so I kind of came into this tie wanting to find a pro Villarreal angle. I think the market's pretty much where you'd expect it to. Uh, I wanted plus one and a quarter. I'm not going to get it. And you, know, you kind of just strip things back and, and look at things kind of uh, without any sort of bias. Bayern have won 26 of the last 29 Champions League games, which is a crazy feat, really. And um, yeah, I, I think it's difficult to sort of squeeze out any obvious value here. Um 
I looked at Bayern to win an under four and a half goals again, which is odds against. But um, in the end, I've actually just decided let's have a a wee swing at a, a bigger price, which is Bayern to win and both teams to score, which kind of flies in the face of Emmett there a little bit. But um, I still think there is a frailty and if Villarreal are going to have any chance, they have to do something here in Spain. And um, with Moreno and Dan Juma, we talk about those issues Bayern have had defensively. Um, I still don't think they're completely solved. So I wouldn't put it past them getting on the score sheet in a Bayern win. And that's 3.35. Yeah, Jake, I'm with Mark on that in the sense that seen a lot of Bayern this season, they're not quite right defensively there are various reasons for that they've had key absentees and you know the way that Nagelsmann plays he does take risks and Danjuma's a really dangerous player so they do have the weapons to hurt Bayern it's just whether they can keep them out of the other end so it's something like you know Bayern win and both teams to score the way you would go yeah, I'm definitely siding more with both teams to score. That's my main bet in this one. Um, it's around 1.75. I thought it's fairly backable given the stats that I'm looking at. Um, as you mentioned, Bayern Munich are defensively they're still looking quite vulnerable. Uh, of the last eight Bundesliga matches, they've allowed uh, just over 1.6 expected goals against per game, which is, you know, very, very high. I mean, in the same time frame, they've averaged 2.88 expected goals for per game. So you can kind of get away with it when you're creating nearly double. Um, but it just shows you that there is frailties there. And, and you know, we talk about Villarreal and Unai Emery being a you know, defensive-minded coach who sets his team up very smart, astutely, tactically. That's not been the case for them in the Champions League this season. They've, they've averaged 2.1 expected goals for per game in the Champions League this season. So they've not been holding back. I mean, they played some cracking games with Atalanta um, and young boys that were just free-scoring goals and, and chances galore. Um, and ultimately, given the way in which Bayern Munich are going to be attacking, expected to score at least a couple, I honestly think Villarreal's best opportunity to progress in this tie and, and really cause Bayern Munich issues is to play on the front foot and take the game to them because Bayern Munich's defensive frailties and Villarreal's attacking creativity could mean that Villarreal could get um, a couple of goals here. Um, and, you know, this could end up being a little bit closer than what we thought the Salzburg uh, game could be. I think we all thought it'd be something like 6-4 six, six, on aggregate or, you know, along those lines. This could be that. This could be that that game where you get a 7-3 or a 7-4 on aggregate. Um, and, yeah, it, I just thought both teams to score in this first leg looked a little bit too big. We know that Villarreal, we know there's no way goals rule, but especially with the home field advantage, you want to take, you want to at least take something with you uh, to that second leg. Be that a goal, if they go there and they lose this game 2-1, for example, that's still a decent result for Villarreal going to Bayern Munich and they can make life difficult there. Um, but yeah, both teams to score for me was just the, the, the main bet that stood out having looked at all these, these numbers. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. Our fantastic multiples offer is running every day, by the way. Bet £10 on multiples or bet builders and receive a £2 free bet to use on multiples or bet builders. T's and C's apply. Finally, the champions Chelsea take on Real Madrid in the Carlo Ancelotti derby. Ancelotti missed the weekend's win at Celta Vigo with COVID, but Real hopeful at time of recording that he can travel to London. Mark Chelsea were thrashed 4-1 at home by Brentford on Saturday in a very odd game in which Brentford scored three times in 10 crazy minutes. Is that a symptom of a deeper problem or actually is that just a weird game that you can just write off? 
Yeah, I've I've done it in the in the latter really. Um, if you remember last season, they got beaten by West Brom five two at Stamford Bridge, which was just bizarre, really. And well, what a um, mighty team West Brom were at that stage. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's weird. Football can be strange at times, and it was, it was a shocking performance, really. And, and Thomas Tuchel himself said he didn't see it coming. Um, he tried to sort of butter it up a little bit, and, and Chelsea did create chances, but have few complaints really about the result they, they were below par and defended horrendously really so um you'd think it will serve as a wake-up call and i think um yeah i think they'll, they'll be happy to get out of their system now and, and they can sort of reset and, and go again um having reached james back in the fold as well will, will give tuckle another option i think they're pretty much close to full strength which is obviously a, a big boost for chelsea real madrid r2 benzema and mendy returned at the weekend they weren't overly convincing at Celta, um, a difficult away trip at Balaidos always. But um, yeah, they, they haven't been convincing to me all season. And I know we can look at the Clasico and say um, they're not very good. They got thrashed by Barcelona. But that was, I'd kind of exclude that game from, from our records because Ancelotti went kind of full on Pep Guardiola with his selection and tactics, just kind of ripped it all up. And Benzema was missing and, and Modric was playing as a false nine. And it, nothing worked really for Madrid that day. I think a better gauge on where they are is, is what they did against PSG, which was not much really. Um, for 85% of the two legs, they they offered absolutely nothing. They're outplayed, they're outclassed. And um, obviously you have to credit the ability and, and character of Modric and Benzema for pulling them back into the, the tie in those uh, in that final half hour. But ultimately, I think the blame goes at PSG's door for their collapse rather than Madrid being you know world beaters. And I still think they're reliant on an aging midfield. Um, and I still think they're, they're pretty basic in, in how they go about their business. And I've said it a few times now. Um, I think over the past couple of seasons, there's been a shift towards the Premier League in terms of coaching and, and quality and also physicality as well. Uh, and I think that could be a real influence here. Uh, we saw it last season when, when these two teams met. I thought Chelsea kind of bullied Madrid for, for large spells of those two legs. The, the aggregate score was 3-1. I think on the surface, they... They dominated the tie and probably deserved a bit a bigger margin of victory that day. Uh, and as Jake talked about earlier in the show, they, they are very much are a knockout team uh, under Thomas Tuchel. So yeah, I give them the edge to qualify. I give them the edge in the first leg too. But um, I'm just playing it a little bit um, safely in the first leg. I've got Chelsea minus a quarter on the Asian handicap at around 1.86. Uh, it means if the game ends in a draw, we only lose half of our stake. Um, I've said it before, but when the goal expectancy is quite low, uh, I'm always quite keen to sort of have the insurance of the draw on side just to protect it against it. And uh, But yeah, just fascinated to see how Ancelotti, if he does, change tact to what Madrid did in the first leg at PSG because they offered absolutely nothing that day and um, he got criticised for it and, and quite rightly so. Uh, if they hadn't come back in, in the second leg in that final half hour, uh, he would have got a lot more criticism as well for Real Madrid going out because, uh, yeah, so just uh, quite pro Chelsea, but just keeping the draw on side. So minus a quarter on the ancient handicap. Yeah, I mean, it's Ch- Real Madrid are a strange team, aren't they, really? Because Thibaut Courtois came out again after the Celta Vigo game and said, yeah, I made a couple of really important saves, uh, which he's right about. Uh, I like that he would say that about himself as well. He's he does that a lot, Kev, doesn't he? Yeah, <laughs> he's never backwards in coming forward. Yeah, I was brilliant and we managed to get the win. But to be fair, he's probably one of Europe's best goalkeepers right now, if not Europe's best keeper, Thibaut Courtois, because in those big moments, he almost always shows up. But it's the fact they need him to, which is the concern, isn't it? Absolutely. It kind of feels like uh, it was too harsh Real Madrid, but like it feels like Real Madrid are kind of like a they're playing kind of it's kind of 2000s football and they've kind of a 2000s manager. 
in the sense that like Kronschlott, he's not really an innovator. He's not really one of these kind of high pressing modern German managers like like Tuchel, Nagelsmann, Guardiola is in Germany. He's from that from that school and Klopp. I feel like just again, I echo everything Mark said. Like over the like the the PSG tie was far more about PSG's frailties than it was about Real's Real's brilliance. Credit to Luka Modric, who's one of the, the great great footballers of this year, one of my an all time favorite of mine. But like for, for for say 150 minutes, Modric wasn't really in the game. And I, I, I just think if Chelsea, if the kind of the off field factor, the kind of if we see. Kind of the kind of a baseline Chelsea performance, what we've seen all season, they should be shorter than 1.96 to qualify. And like just to kind of go back where we're staying at the start of the show. Like, if you look at the outright price, Chelsea are maybe 13.5 in the exchange and Real are 15.0. Like, like I would give I, I'd make Chelsea no bigger than maybe 3.0 to qualify against Man City. I think that's a competitive tie. Whereas I, I I'd give Real Madrid no chance against Man City. I, like to go again, go back to last season, like as as Mark said. Uh, over two legs, it was five point five goals for Chelsea and one point five goals for Real Madrid. That was like that tie was a hammering, even though even if this even if the the final scorelines didn't suggest it. Real Real have definitely improved a bit since last season. I'm not sure they've improved that much. Um, so again, I would definitely, I would definitely, I would definitely lean, lean Chelsea's way, Chelsea's way to qualify. And just an angle I liked as well, just kind of served us well um, in the in the PSG second leg is kind of backing the fullback who's marking Vinicius Junior, who's one of the most failed players in players in La Liga. And just I, I just like the angle with Reese James possibly being a bit rusty as well. I think he, he's already picked up four four bookings in only in only eighteen games in the, in, in the league this season. So I think Vinicius can expo- expose any rust. And so I think anything around the kind of three to one, seven to two mark on James for Card is worth a look. I think. Yeah, Jake, it's it's a tough one for Real, isn't it? Because it kind of tells us that La Liga this season has not been great because for them to be as far clear as they are tells us a fair bit about the league because they're a good side, but they do seem to be quite reliant on three or four individuals. They do, yeah. And and I think Mark just sort of hit the nail on the head a bit earlier in the sense that the, the when it comes to league hierarchy, the La Liga has fallen way off now. They're way behind Premier League. If 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 Real Madrid were to play against any Premier League team, or particularly these top three, they'd be massive outsiders. And I'm as surprised as everyone any else. Any Premier see. League team, Burnley. Well, yeah, no, obviously not. I, I did <laughs> I did clarify that just then, Kevin. Say that the these end. top three in particular. Um, I want to see that. I want to see Real Madrid go to turf more. I'm yeah, Val Vegas might actually score once. Um, yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the. the I'm as surprised as the other guys that Chelsea are as big as they are to qualify around 1.96. I thought they'd be a lot shorter. Um, I think there's a big gulf between these two teams. And if you factor in Chelsea's um, sort of results and, and sort of prowess in these knockout competitions under Tuchel, then I would have them a lot closer to around 1.8 to progress. Um, this first leg, one bet just just leapt out to me. Uh, I just It's something that we always think of when, che- when we come Chelsea in these knockout ties, and that's under 2.5 goals. I could not believe it was at 1.85 in this first leg um, to back under two and a half goals. It's landed in 22 of 29 knockout games under Thomas Tuchel, which is just a staggering number. It just shows that they they do have a way of keeping games tied, but also nicking results. And I think that part of that is down to the in-game management of Tuchel, because I think he's brilliant at that. Um, you know, he admittedly got a bit wrong at the weekend, but... I mean, let's be honest, Chelsea look as though they're going to coast into that top four and this is games on the horizon. It's not a surprise that they perhaps just had one eye on the Real Madrid match and just sort of 
didn't you know a little bit of complacency against Brentford. Um, international break as well, Jake. You always get weird results after international break, don't you? You do, yeah. Especially as Emmett said, some of the some of the games were really high profile, really high intensity for for some of the players in, involved in qualifiers, etc. So I think we can give them a pass for that one. Um, and and yeah, when, when we look at Real Madrid. Emmett hit the nail on the head. 150 minutes against PSG, they were just completely second best. It was so bad for 150 minutes until Donnarumma gifted them the goal that got them back into the tie. Real Madrid had created just 0.45 expected goals across 150 minutes against PSG's defence, which is an incredibly low total uh, for a team that, as we've said, does have some really good individual firepower. Um, and if they if they do set up in a similar manner and play in the, in the same style... Chelsea's defence is not going to have much to do for, for this game at all. And it's just a case of, can Chelsea get a lead and take it over to, to the Bernabeu? And I fully expect them to. I like Mark's bet. Um, uh, but I'm just going to side with an under 2.5 goals because if Real Madrid set up as they did in Paris, which is very defensive-minded, it might be a little bit of a struggle for Chelsea to create, uh, even if Real Madrid don't offer much themselves. So, yeah, it, it, it's, it, this, this is obviously the closest of the ties when it comes to which team's going to progress. But... Um, I do think there is a bit of a gap between Chelsea and Real Madrid that I would favour Chelsea. That's all we have time for on this Champions League edition of Football Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. Remember, every single Champions League game gets its own dedicated preview on our website, betting.betfair.com. That'll be true as well for all four of the Europa League quarterfinals. I know that because I'll be the one writing them. From Mark, from Jake, from Emmett and from me. It's goodbye for now.